Christine Penalto, Executive Director of Sidelined USA. Today we're going to be talking with Shelbretta Ball, who goes by Brett, and uh, learn about her sideline story. Brett, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brett. Um, just tell us a little about where you reside, what position you played, what sport, and what you're doing currently. Yeah. So I'm originally from McLean, Mississippi, but I moved to Jackson, Mississippi when I was about um, 13 years of age. I attended Jackson Academy, and from there, I um, got a scholarship to play at the University of South Carolina, um, and then graduated from there, went to Ole Miss for two years, served as a graduate assistant I'm there, and now I'm at the University of Florida, go Gators, um, <laughs> studying um, journalism communications and working on my PhD there. Awesome. So you are a permanently sidelined athlete, and that happened several years ago now. Tell us a little bit about your story, how that happened, and just some of that background about what basketball meant to you. For sure. And first of all, thank you for giving me this platform to share my story. I think uh, there's a lot of silent, sideline athletes who are still out there that not sure how to share their story and not not sure how um, to, to get their information out there or know about other athletes. So um, like I said before, I graduated from Jackson Academy in 2011. Um, after, um, after graduating, I uh, will during my senior year, I got a scholarship to play at the University of South Carolina under head coach Don Staley. Um, it was a really exciting time for me because I had grown up around basketball. I had two aunts to play professional, one in the WNBA, and I both actually both played at Auburn. And um, in one was a two-time Olympian that played with Coach Staley and Coach McCray. And so obviously that was something that was a goal of mine that I knew that, hey, you know, if I work, you know, extremely hard that I could be have the same experience. So I had to report in school, um, support in South Carolina, July 2011. Everything was going great. I was probably in the best shape of my life. Um, school was going great. Um, I it honestly couldn't have been a better situation. Um, three weeks into workouts, I started having, having some chest complications. Um, I was going to class, and I just felt like a, we had workouts that earlier that day, and I just felt sort of weird and honestly it was really the grace of God that actually pushed me to call my trainer because as an athlete I was really thinking you know that I just brushed this off you know it's fine I could just get through today and I called her um, and I told her what was going on and she was like okay well don't do anything we're gonna get get, you know, get you to the doctor and sure enough I went to the doctor that day as a routine checkup and uh, they tested me my heart a heart rate for a student athlete should be between 50 and 60 and mine was at 119. And when they told me that, I thought, okay, well, you guys are doctors. <laughs> sure. You know, fix it, you know, make it all, make it all better. And uh, eventually um, test after test after test, um, they then like um, approximately a month later um, after second opinions, they eventually diagnosed me with uh, what they call myocardial non-compaction in the left ventricle. And basically my heart muscle structure was too big and um, the results of it was uh, fatal fatal and sudden death. And like I said, it was around the time where most athletes, a lot of athletes were um, dying on the field or on the court and the university didn't want to take the risk um, to continue to let me play. Gotcha. Yeah, actually that is our founder, Cade Penalto, his um, diagnosis as well. Yeah. Um, thankfully he doesn't have complications from it, but it's risky enough where they had to pull him oh, and yeah. tell him no more. So that had to be devastating. I mean, you basically had worked so hard to get to exactly to the point you wanted to be to pursue your college um, career. And you didn't even get to really start playing, you know, because it was all just in the beginning. 
Right. Tell us a little bit about what that your emotional response was, especially in those first few months or that the whole season that goes by and you're um, having to process that this is going on without you. Right. Yeah. So shortly after my uh, diagnosis, I had a, um, I had to, I had a small cardiac ablation, a small heart surgery where they went through my groins and like burned a valve in my heart. And that was, um, that was an easy recovery, but um, coach honored my scholarship. And that's something that I am forever grateful for. And she wanted me to be around the team, but it was difficult because I mean, just really in the matter, I felt like of a few hours that, I was, my, my career had come to a complete halt, like all, you know, years. I mean, at that time I was 19 years old and I started playing basketball when I was, you know, three or four. Um, I had, I had so much stake into basketball and as a career, as a long-time career. And for that to be ripped up, you know, away from me without any, you know, cause or reason that was it was really tough and I really feel like uh, that's when I really realized like the understood like what mental health was well it was the beginning of my journey to understand what mental health and what depression and all these other facets what they were because you hear about them and when you're playing oh be mentally tough and I'm thinking okay yeah mental you know on the floor off the floor I didn't ever had to um to deal with any mental stress and if I did it was to go to the basketball court and you know figured that was my releasing stress and when my coping mechanism of other life stress got was taken away that was probably for sh- probably the one of the most depressing stages in my life mm-hmm. so did you talk to people did you um get help um you so shortly after you know, my diagnosis and right after coach honored my scholarship her and the media department was trying to find ways to keep me involved with the team and so one of the things that they um came up with is uh idea of me starting my own web series called ball with brett and i would take fans of the inside look of the women's basketball team um but at the same time she um, highly suggested that i seek a sports psychologist and again i was ignorant of what a sports psychologist was in my um, knowledge of psychology or anything psychi- psychiatrist or psychology was from the media from movies and they had these big grand couches in their offices and they had you you know laying back with the cold towel over your head and I was like uh, uh, uh no way I'm going through that you know I'm tougher than this I'm gonna stick this out I'm gonna ride this out like this is you know I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get through this and I had this big wall up of it. it was really a wall of ignorance because I didn't understand really what I was going through and when I I was really almost like embarrassed to even like sit in the lobby because I was just like man like I'm here with these problems and I grew up with the religious I grew up in the church and um, I will say I felt like I was like portraying God to so to speak because like one of my favorite verses is seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you and I'm like oh my gosh God I'm not seeking you first I'm seeking other help and I would I would begin to get paranoid about seeking help because I was so again ignorant of what the help actually meant and my first first try there I I absolutely hated it. And then I kept going back and he uh, told me about the uh, five stages of griefs, grievances or griefs that people go through when they lose a loved one. And it was something similar to me losing a loved one. And when I was reading the the stages, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so me. I'm going through denial. I'm going through the bargaining stage. I'm like, well, what if I do this? Or what if I do this? Or what if I only play five minutes? Or what if I only, you know, do just a little bit? What if I just play one play? And so I'm starting to negotiate with myself and negotiate different things or just being in denial, going and dressing in uniform as if I'm about to play. And I go to step on the floor and they're just like, Brett, you know, 
remember, you know, you, know, you, you can't play. And so that was frustrating. And seeking help um, also, I gained a passion through research. I had no idea what, I mean, I knew what research was, but I didn't understand it in a capacity of, wow, I could really help other athletes through research and finding out who's actually dealing with this, who's going through this, and who, uh, how can I find, uh, create coping mechanisms or anything that to help athletes in my situation who are quiet and who don't even know that they're going through it. How could I help them realize that hey, the changes that you're going through with your injury or whatever it may be, that it's perfectly normal. It's okay to cry and it's okay to seek help. Right. We find that a lot with athletes and it's so great that you're talking about that because there is this sense of like, you're used to mentally conquering your challenges as an athlete. And it's okay, but it feels awkward in some yeah. ways to yeah. say, I actually, I need help. Um, it's, a, it's a really tough thing to do, but a really courageous thing to do that we're trying to encourage athletes to do. So thank you for being vulnerable and, and sharing that part. So what would you say made the, the biggest change for you? I mean, speak, seeing the sports psychologist sounds like it was really instrumental. Um, what else kind of helped you make that mental turn? I mean, you're, this is several years back now, and I know that you have found a meaningful way forward. Tell us a little bit about that resolution. Um, what really helped me, I guess, recover was, I mean, I guess a lot of factors. Number first and foremost, uh, just my relationship with Christ. And I feel like sometimes like God and I are like best friends because we have this, and it, I, I wouldn't even explain, we have this interesting relationship where I'm like, God, I'm like so mad at you, but I'm like, oh gosh, but I love you so much because I know like every, everything is working out for the good. And even in my frustration, he placed people and he placed things in my life to make sort of, sort of like make sense of what was going on or at least to cope and just gave me hope so first and foremost my relationship with Christ and then my teammates it was an interesting um, opportunity there that we just had a really eclectic group of people uh, we had the jokesters we had the um, the rappers we had the, uh, the the grandmothers who just all we all formed some sort of bond and the being around them in the locker room really helped me um, I guess like ignore um, or look past like me not being able to play and still making me feel a part of a team um and then the third which is really just as important is finding other athletes who were injured and it was almost I was like on, on a hunt looking for other athletes who were going through what I went through because no matter how much people say oh you know you know you're gonna get over this or you know I've been through this some somewhat I mean to be permanently sidelined is nothing like if you tear your ACO you can recover I mean you could just go to rehab but when you're a permanent sideline there's almost like no hope like okay you go to rehab but what are you going to rehab for it's no like future for that and so connecting I think I mentioned to you with you earlier that connecting with T.R. Rogers she was out of Cal Berkeley when coach connected us she's had a similar heart condition and even though she was as far as west as you can get um, in California and I was in South, uh, South Carolina I felt as connected to her as anyone and so finding that bond of that community of athletes who had who know how you feel who know how it feels to be told that you can't do something that you love I think that was the biggest uh, resolution that helped me overcome to know, hey, it's okay, I'm human. Other people are dealing with this. So y'all let's cry on each other's shoulders to get together. So um, that was probably the most um, fulfilling and just heartwarming thing to know that I wasn't like the only person on earth that was dealing with this. Right. Yeah. As a side note to all of our viewers, um, Brett has actually joined our online connection group for sideline athletes. Her and we've got other sideline athletes that have gone before and 
found resolution as well. So she is available, other sideline athletes are available to just process this with. So anyone out there who's watching this, who is a sideline athlete, you can have a community and it's just one click away. So message us and let us get you connected. Um, Brett, tell us a little bit about um, if you know anything positive that has come from your career-ending injury. I mean, there's a lot that was just traumatic and devastating. But what's what positive things have come forward from it? For sure, I think that's a great question because when people see permanent sideline, is like or think of it's so quick to think of something negative. Um, but I think it's so honestly, I, God has been so good to me and just raining blessings and knocking on doors that I never even opening doors that I never even knocked on. Um, for one, like I said, I found my passion outside of basketball, which was I found my identity outside of my sport and which was really, really extremely hard. Um, obviously, being a minority, finding my identity in that and being, you know, on top of sports, but following with Brett at first was never anything I intended to have a career off of. It was a, it was a type of, to keep busy type of work, but now I used it, I'm thinking of it, um, rebranded as a platform for athletes, you know, to share their story, also for ideas to be shared, also for research to be shared in a way that's never been shared before. So it's becoming something bigger than a flip cam and behind the scenes type of, um, type of show. Um, uh, the doors and fours, uh, career opportunities, finding things that I never thought that I would be interested in, like I said, such as broadcast and, and research, which sometimes, like I said, think of like, I can't believe I'm a researcher. That sounds like so nerdy at some points. But yeah, re through research, I have an opportunity to create um, and discover things and create knowledge uh, that was never uh, no one ever knew before and so those type of doors like I say career doors and just uh, meeting new people um a platform to speak it's just like I said it's been astronomical just opportunities that have come open I've been able to work with the SEC Network um I work for Tyler Perry Studios I've done internships with the Yankees um I've been I've traveled study abroad in Brazil it's been I guess I don't think I would have had those opportunities had I played um or I wouldn't have had those opportunities had I not connected with other people as well and to keep my hope alive and to stay alive because it's so easy to fall back into the depression and just have a pity party for yourself and, you know, maybe point blame at other people at some points. And so I think um, those type of doors that got open for me helped give me hope for a future that, hey, well, you can do a little bit more than shut up and dribble. You can be a little bit more than uh, a basketball player and having that, knowing that, wow, I can do all these things, those doors that would have never opened up had I played or I wouldn't have paid attention to them had I been playing. Right. Oh, that's great. I and mean, I'm so glad that you've been able to, to find that. That's, that's really meaningful. Yeah. All right. So last question. Um, if you were able to go back to your sideline self, just within those first few weeks, let's say, of learning about your, you know, career ending diagnosis, what would you tell yourself? Whew. Um, gosh, yeah, I hope I don't, <laughs> um, man, I would probably tell myself to just stay encouraged. Like, don't let, um, the physical, what you see get in front of like God's plan for you in this. And I say, don't let the physical, when you, even as, as big of a cheerleader you are for your teammates. And I mean, my teammates knew I loved them and I cheered them on. There's nothing like being on the floor yourself. And sometimes, um, 
if your your attitude can maybe change in a way that is maybe not you know not healthy for you and I, so i would say to um just to stay the course and to incur like to not not look at the physical but look operate in the spiritual realm because sometimes the physical um can be so depressing and so overwhelming at some time that you're going to need to tap into a higher conscious and a higher being to really understand and grasp what's going on in the plan that God has for you. And so, um, and I think too, I probably would have told myself to be a little bit more proactive in searching for people or being, not being as embarrassed because I felt like at some points it was pressure, um, for my aunts have played. And so with the name, I felt like I had let a lot of people down, but not feeling, um, telling myself, hey, it's, it's going to be okay. That you, you know, God has a plan for you. You shouldn't compare yourself to other people or try to live in to other people's shoes. And so I would, yeah, just tell myself to be. It's okay to talk to other people about it and to uh, be. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have emotions and feelings. And just because you're athlete and you're crying on the sideline or crying anywhere doesn't mean you're weak. That it means you're human and you have emotions. And so I probably would just tell myself to just stay encouraged and to. Um, see beyond the physical that is great brett this has been a great interview just thank you you so much for sharing your story i want to thank you for pushing through and finding a way to take your situation and to make something really great from it and it's just been great to hear um your wealth of knowledge of your experience that you i know it took you some time to get there and um you have a lot to share. So just thank you so much for sharing with our audience. And um, we do look forward to now that we know about you and you know about <laughs> further collaborations. So yes, who knows what's possible. Um, but but we're excited to start this relationship with you. And just thank you for um, being willing to share your story today. Thank you so much. And thank you to, to Kay for, for starting this. This it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there to be vulnerable. Um, and I appreciate the platform. Awesome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.